Hello and welcome to the Zwift, the SBS podcast. As the days get longer, I'm looking forward to riding the roads again, but I couldn't be happier with the work I've put in on Zwift over the winter to keep in shape. Having completed so many of their Fun is Fast event series, I know that when I venture back out onto the road again, I'm ready to climb mountains, push through fondos, and speed through intervals. And the workouts, they're all still available. All you need is a bike, trainer, and the Zwift app. Get a free seven-day trial at Zwift.com. Right on. Bonjour, bonjour, buenas tardes, and uh, welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Uh, before we start, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to our podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash central or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Joining me is this man here, Dave McKenzie. How are you, Dave? I'm pretty good. Uh, you like saying buenas tardes, don't ah, you? Ah, buenas tardes. You do, you've, you've nailed it. You say it really well. Do you know Do you know what? The other day, I watched a little bit of a Spanish movie, and I was surprised <laughs> how much I actually remember. I've learned Spanish for three years. I was rubbish at it. Absolutely rubbish Do you all want it. me to just <laughs> give him a belting? It's the Europeans, uh, isn't it? I could watch and you follow that movie. You pick up languages like there's no uh, tomorrow. I could follow the writing anyway. Get stuffed, mate. <laughs> uh, with us today is Gracie Elvin. How are you? Gracie here. Buenas tardes. Uh, my accent is not as good as yours, but I'll try anyway. How are you guys going? I'm pretty good. I reckon your Spanish is better than mine, Gracie, so don't worry about yeah. that. <laughs> so, guys, what we saw a couple of days ago is this, okay? Sar Gigante joining the uh, Movistar team for three years. And who have we got today in the show for you <laughs> is Sara Gigante. How are you, Sarah? All the way from Spain. Hello. Yeah, that's right. I'm in Girona. It's really nice here. And I'm super excited about the news for next year. Not just next year, but year after and the year after that. So, yeah, I'm thrilled and just so excited to be so, joining yeah, uh, we saw We saw this coming and we knew because we follow you on social media and you were preempting the fact that you left your current team and then you, something new was coming. And then we were all debating, where could this be? Where, you know, <laughs> Is he going to France? Is he going to Australia? We, had a, we had a steering committee meeting actually at SBS and we had whiteboard drawings going, Sarah. It was, we, but we still didn't know the answer, which is good because you kept us all hanging. So how did it all happen for you, Movistar? Yeah, I, I've been holding on to the secret for a while now, so I'm very excited that I can finally share it. But yeah, I've had some discussions with them a few months ago and I loved everything that I heard about that team, so... It wasn't that hard to convince me, I don't think. Uh, Gracie, I believe you have a, a couple of questions for, for Sarah as well. Yeah, hi, Sarah. It's so good to see you. And firstly, big congratulations, not just for the signing, but for representing Australia so well at the recent Olympic Games. Um, personally, I want to know how much of a, a draw card having your hero in the Movistar team of Annemiek van Vluten was to get you to sign that contract. Yeah, 100%. I've always looked up to Anamik, like, for so many years, and I think it was only 2019 that I lined up in a kermesse with her in Belgium, and I asked for her photo just before the start line, like, we were in the queue for the toilet or something. I'm like, oh, my God, Anamik, get a selfie. Um, so, yeah, I'm so excited. I think I'll be able to learn so, so much from her. She's like one of the very, very best riders in the world. She just won the Olympic time trial and like everything that she's awesome at is what I want to improve at. So yeah, I've heard she's really nice. So I'm just so excited to be a teammate. And also the other riders in the squad, there are so many strong riders and Emma Norsgaard, she's really young. She's only a year older than I am, I think, but she's already 
absolutely like smashing it on the world stage. So I think I'll just have so much to learn from them. Oh, that's so cool. I'm excited for you. Sorry, Maka. <laughs> no, no, go ahead, Gracie. Well, go go ahead, ahead. You're in charge here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my next question was you also have an, another interesting announcement that was on the same di- day, sorry, that you've signed with a sports management company that's new to cycling, um, 258 Protégé. Would you like to tell us a little bit about that and if they helped you with these negotiations with Movistar? Yeah, yeah, it was really cool that the agency 258 Protégé was announced, uh, was it yesterday, the day before, just at the same time. So, yeah, that was super cool because I've been working with Jamie Barlow. He's my agent. I've actually been working with him for uh, since the start of last year. So he's been helping me out this whole time, but he could finally announce it. It took a while, but it's super exciting. And it, I was really excited to see the other riders he signed. So he's... Uh, also, Nee Fisher-Black, who's a similar rider to me, kind of, and her twin, Finn Fisher-Black, and some other cool riders. So it's really awesome now that it's final. Sarah, this is uh, it's great news on, on all those fronts that that Gracie just talked about. And, and I guess before we came live to air, it's an interesting point that not a lot of women in the peloton have agents. Do you feel... Uh, for you and I guess the, the generation, your generation now and the ones just behind you, this is a great time in women's cycling, isn't it? There's been some real sort of movement, I guess, in the market, some real movement with the UCI, a bit of pressure put on the UCI, UCI in a good way. Um, you must be pretty sort of positive and upbeat about the future of, of the women's peloton. Yeah, for sure. It feels really professional um, from everything I've gone through, like Team Tipico, Silicon Valley Bank, they've been great and then having my agent to help me negotiate everything, like talking to a few different teams, it all gets a bit confusing and didn't know, like, you know, what to do exactly. So even though, like, I knew kind of what I wanted to do, it's much nicer to have someone by your side whose job it is to help you out. And, yeah, Jamie was amazing. And Movistar seems like such such a professional team. So I'm so excited. And, like, things like altitude camps and aero testing, like, that just seems incredible so i'm really excited yeah and and also like we, we said with maca before that they they are really changing the game in women's cycling they are really taking almost a a, a, a further step forward with with, uh, with with the sport itself um if we look at the program can we talk already about a program and of course we're all eyeing the tour de france femme uh, for next year is that something you are also eyeing for you and for yourself and for for the team Oh, I, yeah, I'm not exactly sure of my calendar yet, but I would be so, so stoked to line up for that race next year, especially because it's the, the first one. And, yeah, that would be awesome. There are a few races next year that I'm hoping to get picked for. Of course, everything depends on, yeah, selection and stuff. But the Common Games are also next year. And so are the Wollongong Worlds, so Home Worlds. So I have to train, train up once I'm allowed. I'm going to be riding and hopefully have a good season next year. Uh, and, and of course, Gracie, actually, you were at Bike Exchange. Uh, can we ask you, uh, Sarah, where, where you were approached by Bike Exchange? Is it, was it part of the, of the discussion or the Anamic Van Vluten card was really <coughs> the trump card for, for them? Uh, what was your position? Because from, from us, okay, I'm French, but I also live in Australia. We sort of assume Bike Exchange plays the role of a 
Australian team bis. Uh, what was your what was your decision? Were you tempted also by bike exchange? Was it part of the discussion there as well? Yeah, I mean, I always grew up like looking at bike exchange or Green Edge. They were my favorite team. So, and the, everyone's so nice there. Like I've had such a fun time racing with some of the riders on there, and the staff are super nice. So it would have been awesome as well, but I just couldn't go past Movistar. Like the the riders, the roster, like everything about it. I think I'll be able to um, have an awesome time developing there alongside, yeah, like the very best. And I, I I'm just excited for that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, good um, stuff, we, Sarah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Gracie, do you have a question? It's hard. It's uh, hard yeah. just, we're trying to make the, the technology work here. And, uh, <laughs> it's a full I can bike. see you being so sorry about this, Gracie. Do you have a question? Yeah, no, I was just going to say it's cool to see Aussies really spreading themselves across different teams. But I know a lot of you are based, basing yourselves in the same area in Girona. Are you enjoying um, living there now that you've got a little place there? Yeah, I'm really loving it now that I've moved in with my teammate, Kristen Faulkner, and she's also in Tipico Silicon Valley Bank. So, yeah, it's been really fun. I was living on my own before. It was, I would say it was a bit lonely. Like before the Olympics, I was by myself and a bit out of town. But now I'm in town and with my teammate and it's much more fun. So that's great. And, yeah, I love living in Spain. I think that's one draw card for Movistar, um, another one. I, in a year, hopefully, I'll be almost fluent in Spanish. So I'm very, very excited because I love learning languages. Oh, and in a year, maybe... I'll have made a cameo appearance on Netflix because of my stuff. Oh, that's what we want to hear. But I just watched a Spanish movie. I know a good... <laughs> oh, yeah, don't worry. This guy reckons he can teach you Spanish. Uh, so <laughs> no, he's not. Uh, look, Sarah, it's been brilliant to have you uh, on the podcast and I know, uh, uh, you know, I know how much it means for our public. Uh, before we let you go, uh, two questions. How were the Olympics and how was the experience of the Olympics? And the second one, which could be the first one as well. How are you feeling? Because we followed you on social media. Uh, it looks like you had a bit of a, an adventure in uh, testing <laughs> the uh, Spanish hospitals as well. So how are you? Yeah, I'm going well, thanks. I feel a little bit better than in the hospitals. Oh my gosh, the food. Um, but I'm feeling better now and just trying to prioritize my health and get back to yeah full health and then I can get back on my bike hopefully soon. Um, but, yeah, the Olympics were absolutely amazing, like the, the best thing in my life. And it was funny because everyone was complaining. They're like, oh, these Olympics aren't very good. Like we don't have fans or like it's not normal. We're not going to the village. But it was like the best week of my life. So I can't even imagine <laughs> what it would be like if it was like a normal one because it was so good. Like the hype was so amazing. Everyone in the hotel was just like, so excited it was like buzzing the whole time well at least i was buzzing the whole time you can ask my roommate for grace she had to put up with me just like oh my god this is so cool like 24 7 and yeah the raising was also amazing and everyone was so nice i got um photos with both winners so and and the men's as well so i was just there like being a full fan girl <laughs> yeah awesome and well you've only got to wait I know I'm jumping the gun here, and I know you don't take things for granted, Sarah. But you've only got to wait three more years, and we might have crowds and uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and a proper village in Paris. So not long to wait. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for, for coming on the. Thank you for coming on the show, uh, and it was uh, also very last minute. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. Muchas gracias. <laughs>
here we go. Uh, no de nada, de nada. Hasta luego. <laughs> ah, that was good. That was, that cool. was good. Hey, uh, Gracie, uh, I've got I've got a couple of questions for you actually. Um, Grace Brown has left Green Edge. Um, Sarah has not signed for Green Edge. What do you think? What What do you think the future now for that squad is, and what what would they be thinking about sort of their future plans? Spratty is not done yet. We know that, and I'm not saying she is, but she's at the back end of her career, and she's been the marquee writer for that squad, along with um, Anna Meek, and Anna Meek's also left. So where do you think that squad is at? Yeah, that's a really interesting question, and that's there's a lot of talk going on in women's cycling now about the new bike exchange for next year. There's there's going to be a lot of changes by the sound of it, a few people leaving and a few people coming in. I can't really tell you who it is yet because I, even I don't really know many of the names that are, are popping up. Um, but, you know, there's even rumours that some of the trackies are going to come back as a little bit of a, a break from doing track cycling and they'll come back and do the road. Um, but it's been less of an Aussie development team now for a few years. So you, you, we definitely see a lot more European riders um, just popping up into this team. Um, so it really could be anyone that they'll be signing. I think Spratty probably does need a little bit more um, climbing help. So I think that they'll want to sign a couple more strong climbers. Absolutely. It's interesting. It's going to be really interesting. And and the whole world of women's cycling is changing. Oh, yeah. I think it's absolutely 100%. So it's very exciting. Okay, let's talk about the uh, Vuelta and uh, the stage that uh, we had yesterday. Uh, You, again, commentated that stage. And what a stage it was. It was was entertaining. Oh, yeah. It was the most exciting stage that we've had so far of the, what, it was the sixth stage. So... No, it was the best stage and nostalgic for me because I yes. I spent. Can I rat on? A, can I go on? Well, about we saw it? the photo yesterday. I, so. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's where I first signed with my first foreign team twenty five years ago in that in that region. So it was for me. I loved watching the roads and a lot of the roads towards the end were roads I trained on. So, um, but it was a great stage. It had crosswinds. Unfortunately, there was a few crashes as well. Yeah. There was splits in the peloton and then that little climb at the end and the kicker and the break just got there. And the break won it with Magnus Kort Nielsen. Let's listen to the stage winner from yesterday, Magnus Kort Nielsen. Magnus, you've won stages at La Vuelta before, but how special is this one? Uh, this, this one is, uh, is special for me. It's, it's uh, in a very different way. Uh, the other, other stages I've won has always been in, uh, in sprints and... Uh, I'm very happy to, to show that I can also do it in uh, other terrains and, and from a, a breakaway finishing uh, uphill like this today. At the bottom of the climb, did you think you were going to win? No, I, I knew we still had the chance. It's very hard to know exactly how big the gap is because they go uh, go fast in, in the bunch before a climb like that uh, to get in position. But I could see we, we had a little gap and, and from there on, it was for me, it was pretty much getting as quick as possible to the top and... Uh, then I hoped uh, that nobody from my breakaway companions could, could stay in the wheel and I could get the bunch behind me. And uh, yeah, it was, it was very close in the end. And I'm very, very happy that, that I kept uh, Roglic just behind. Did you feel Roglic coming very close? Uh, yeah, I think uh, I look back with maybe 150 meters to go or something like that where I could see uh, Roglic was, was coming and uh, I, was, I was sprinting with, with everything I, I had. And, uh, and luckily I... I could just keep him behind me. 
Congratulations. Thank you. This much, pretty much this much. That's how he's won that stage, and that's how much the breakaway won the stage. He was on his back wheel, same oh, time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and crazy. You, would you say that uh, Roglic missed it by this much? Or Kurt Nilsson just went on and actually held it? Would Roglic... I'm not saying Roglic gave him the stage. No, he 100% didn't. Yeah, no. so he was really in a fight, but Roglic was that close to actually winning that stage. Yeah, and I think... Look, I think... Um, I don't know about you, Gracie, but the, the I, I said in the commentary live, I said they need a minute at least at yep. the base. And I know it was only a two-kilometre climb, but we both know, Gracie, when you've got a screaming peloton up a short climb like that, they're going to rip 30 seconds easily in the first kilometre. And they did that because Ineos drilled it. But they only had 35 seconds at the bottom. So yeah. I, in my head, I'm thinking <laughs> they're getting caught. He's getting caught. That's the end of it. But they cat-and-moused the peloton or what was left of it, all the GC favourites, they cat and moused on two occasions. And to me, Gracie, that was the difference that got, well, it was the difference in the end, wasn't it, that Magnus Court got the victory? Yeah, it was such a, an unexpected um, winner. Just when you watched from the bottom of the climb, I think everyone assumed that they'd just be swallowed up by halfway up that climb. So it was really interesting to see those tactics play out. Um, we saw Michael Matthews having a dig and and we definitely had a discussion at home when we were watching the, the stage. Um, what did Rog Rogers give that win as a favour? And I don't think he did. I think he was just trying to get as many seconds on GC as he could um, just as an advantage going into the, the next stages. Um, and I just think Magnus Court had a great day as well as a bit of luck. What about what do you, what do you guys think about it? Yeah, you're spot on. I mean, he, look at him crossing the line here. It's, uh, I mean, he's he's a star, isn't he? Though he's won four stages now at the Vuelta, stage of the Tour de France into Carcassonne a few years back, two of Paris Nice amongst other victories. He, he's more than just a an opportunist, isn't he? And he's won his, it's interesting because he's won his four Vuelta stages in different ways. One's yeah. been a bunch sprint. Mm -hmm. Like the guy is super versatile. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah. And, and, he, and he's been very solid over the years. He's not just a one-off or, you know, he's, he's been very solid over the years. Yeah. And did you come out, did you sort of cross paths with him at all, Gracie, at, um, at Green Edge in your time there? Yeah, certainly a little bit. We um, often had at least one camp as a men and women's squad every year, so we got to mingle a little bit. But actually the last time I saw him was in Girona and he was already in the EF team and he was just recovering from having COVID mid last season when I got back to Girona finally and he was quite unwell. So, you know, a lot of guys in the peloton have suffered from COVID last year and this year, um, but, you know, he's bounced back and he's certainly a pretty talented guy. Yeah, well, that's I didn't know that actually. That's interesting. Um, yeah, and yeah. yeah, no, I mean he's a star, like yeah. you said. Uh, Michael Matthews, Michael Matthews, you said it, uh, Gracie earlier. He had a dig. What did you make of his performance yesterday? Oh, that was um, brilliant, Michael. Um, I was just cheering for him. I really wanted him to get the stage win. He's had nearly twenty, I think, top ten finishes this season, and haven't hasn't quite cracked the win. Um, I don't think he could have done much better, to be honest. I think maybe the, the his teammates could have chased a little bit earlier, possibly. I think Maka, you might have said that in the live coverage. Um, but apart from that, I, I think he he did his best on the stage and he, he gambled for the win rather than a place. 
Yeah, yeah, and I, I was going to say you just hit it on the head there. Don't don't you love it? Or I don't know. As a former rider, I love it when you leave it out there. It's all for the win. We sort of say, oh, second's good or third's good, or the fans say that aim for a top five. When you're a pro, it's it's and and of Michael Matthews's stature, you yeah. know, and what he's achieved in his career already, he's not here to come second. No. <laughs> Let's not beat around the bush. He's here to win or bust, yeah. and he went all in yesterday for the win. Guess what? That's exactly what he said. After the, and I know you haven't seen this guy. Yeah, yeah. So you're good. You're good. <laughs> you're good. You still have it. Well, you can see the way he raced, can you? Yeah. Uh, let's listen to Michael Matthews. I started quite far back on the bottom of the climb. Had to make up a fair few spots, which was unfortunate. Um, but yeah, once I caught the, caught the front bunch, I could tell the GC guys were more looking at each other. So I thought the only chance to, uh, to go for the stage win instead of second was, uh, was to hit out. So... Um, yeah, I tried. Um, yeah, I could have also stayed in the bunch and got second, but we're here to win. So it was all or nothing today. It's almost like you wrote his speech. Well, there you go. <laughs> and I guarantee you, Maka has not seen this this thing. But again, and, and I'm, you know, we'll, we'll get off the Michael Matthews wagon in a sec, but he, you saw the fact, Gracie, that he, I think once or twice he surged before the finish, before that last little kick, and it cost him a second place or a third place, and a third place, I should say. But we knew he was going then for the win. And he, and uh, as he said, he, he saw the GC guys sort of looking at each other, so he had to try, didn't he? Yeah, certainly. You really have to take those moments, especially because, you know, Michael's a super talented rider. He's done amazing uh, things in his career, but he's also someone that has to be an opportunist. So when you smell blood in the water, you've just got to take it whenever they come. And I think he did the right thing. Yeah. Okay. A Frenchman was in red yesterday and I wasn't even banging about it. Not enough. Not enough. So I've decided today we'll actually talk about him as well. We'll we should have. He's lost the red jersey. Yeah, yes. But he, yeah, <laughs> but it was good. Hon honestly, he had a good day in red. It was always going to be a hard day for him uh, in red. Uh, what did you make of the, his actual performance on the day in red? He really struggled in those crosswinds. Yeah, look, he, he's, Kenny's, uh, he's tiny as we know and as we've said. Um, he, look, he was, he did suffer. He probably suffered more than what I expected because yeah. when he actually got dropped in that crosswind, I think he was in the front split, got dropped from it, was in the second group, and riders kept going past him. And again, Gracie, we know when, when you're in the crosswinds and you're having a bad day, it doesn't matter if you're on the wheel. When you're in a bad day and in the box, there is n absolutely nowhere to hide, even on the wheel on a bad day. If you're on a good day, you can, you can, you know, you can find your way. But yeah, he, he suffered, didn't he? Yeah, I feel sorry for guys like him. Um, for me personally, the, the windy days were my favourite. That was one of the things I was good at. But looking at the footage, those roads were really narrow as well. So sometimes if you're getting put in the gutter on a, on a wide road, it doesn't matter how wide or narrow it is. But there was a lot of corners as well. So any chance to move up, you know, was quashed by the corners. So those narrow roads played a big part as well. And you could see a lot of guys suffering, not just Kenny. Um, Macca, you would have raced on roads like that before. You'd know how crazy it can be. I sent I sent Matt White actually a message because Whitey lives just down the road from there. And um, when I saw the preview, Gracie, I sent him a message on a screen grab of the road. And I said, surely they are not racing down this, mate. Can you confirm or not? 
and he sent me he sent me two messages. How's the cheeky? Yeah, t- t- tell us what he yeah, sent you. Yeah, how's the cheeky bugger? He sends me one back and says, "Yes, mate, through the rice paddies," which because yeah. it is, it was all rice fields. And then he said, "Sorry, got your message late at the beach in Croatia." And he sends me this other picture of him at the beach in Croatia. So, what do you reckon I did then? Nothing. Yeah, just <laughs> delete. Just yeah, delete. You do yeah. not, like when today in Australia, your friends, and believe me, I've got a few friends in Europe, of course, when I see this, I just go, you know what, I'm not even bothering. Switch off. Yeah. I'm switching Switch off because off. I get annoyed. Everybody gets annoyed, but uh, beach in Croatia, no, sounds uh, good. It looked pretty good. <laughs> and, and was that real clear water Stop too? it. Stop <laughs> it. Stop it. Stop it. Okay, let's listen to the man that was in red yesterday, Kenny Ellison. Kenny, did you have, did you have time to enjoy it with the... Uh... With the nervosity from the start, actually, to the finish. Yeah, I had time. It was, uh, it was, it was pretty nervous, but I still enjoyed. I mean, uh, riding with all the team together it was a nice, uh, nice effort. It was really nervous. Uh, my teammate Alex crashed. I in a roundabout. I was in his wheel, so yeah, it was pretty nervous. And uh, then in the, in the last climb, when I con- when I understood, like, wow, five seconds uh, in the corner, it was already five seconds. I say okay. I prefer to completely sit up and uh, try to go in the breakaway now. Uh, remain one of the the big memory of your career. Yeah, I mean, it, we, I hope there will be many more. I mean, it was it was really uh, a nice one. But I hope to to win a stage in this Vuelta, and then it will be a really really nice uh, Vuelta. Okay, I ask that every time to you and to the public. Actually, compare his French to his English to mine. What's the accent? Worst French well, accent? Well, yours uh, is like Gabrielle's. You put it on still. Yeah, absolutely. You've been here. How long have you been here? 25 years. Yeah, I know. <laughs> long enough. He's, he's, Grace, he's like, a, and I'm saying this literally out of admiration and out of full respect. He's literally like he's come out of the under-16s, isn't he? He's tiny and he's he looks like a baby, doesn't he? Yeah, he's tiny. One of the things you learn, though, when you hang out with the, the male pros is that a lot of them are really small, a lot smaller than what you think, even the guys that look bigger on TV. So if he looks small on TV, he is very small. I remember when Chavez <laughs> first came to our team back in the day and I thought, who's brought their son to team camp? <laughs> <laughs> okay, no let's way. listen to uh, the man that is now in raid and we'll debate how long can he keep this jersey uh, for the race because he's here for the win. Uh, this is Primoz Roglic. We know how much you like to win as much as you can. Are you disappointed that you didn't no. win today? No, not at all. I was, uh, yeah, uh, Magnus was uh, just stronger and uh, yeah, he had really good uh, good legs, so definitely he deserves the win. And uh, yeah, for myself, like I said, it was not uh, so much about the win. Uh, and uh, yeah, I was first of all, try to stay safe out of the troubles and uh, yeah, just uh, then uh, try to enjoy a little discount. And whether you wanted it or not, you are back in the red jersey and you have increased your advantage. Uh, yeah, it, uh, uh, at the end I had a, uh, yeah, let's say a good leg, so uh, I did a little sprint, so uh, yeah, uh, sweet worries. <laughs> Is it important to show the other GC contenders that uh, you are the strongest in such a finale? Nah, we'll see who will be the strongest in Santiago, huh? so uh, it's really a long way uh, till there, uh, but yeah. It's a start and uh, yeah, we, we try to, to keep the focus and uh, do our job the best. Voilà. 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 <laughs> it's, 
It's crazy. It's all about the long game, isn't it? It's they don't give too much away. The GC guys and Roglic, as we know, never does. No, I guess you can see he's um, a little bit disappointed to have the red back again and the pressure and the weight on the team that has to ride now, um, depending on every situation of each stage. So, yeah, he's definitely keeping his cards close to his chest. Do, do you reckon he is? Do you think he he didn't didn't want the red overnight? No, he was really happy to give it up um, a couple of days ago. So I think he wanted to, you know, not have the red for the first week, um, potentially get it back on Sunday stage with the first really big test for the GC guys. But, you know, he's got it back now, so he's got to probably wear it for the rest of the tour unless someone um, stamps their authority or a team uh, figures out how to isolate him, which they've already kind of seen that it can happen. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, uh, quickly, let's have a look at the the rankings. And uh, Primoz Roglic is in red. Mas is second. Uh, Miguel Angel Lopez is third. And Alexandro Valverde is fourth. Can you believe this? Valverde is fourth at 36 seconds. We're nearly a third of the way through. Yep. (laughs) 41. The old bloke. The old man. This is... It gives us hope, Michael. It gives us hope. <laughs> I'm making a comeback. I'm totally making a comeback. That's uh, crazy. Somebody has had a, a great or good day yesterday. It's Alexander Vlasov. He yeah, did, we haven't he heard did. from him, did yeah. have we? No. Uh, he's, uh, he's, done, he's done pretty well yesterday on the climb. Let's listen to Alexander Vlasov. Alexander, tell us about this climb. Really good climb. Really good uh, operation for you today. Yeah, I felt good today. It's the final time, but I was a little bit in uh, back. But I try to keep my rhythm, and in the final I just uh, go all in, try to to attack to have some gap. That's the second appeal finish with Pick and Blanco. What did you learn about your opponents? Who is there to? Who is the opponents really? Uh, for sure, Primoz Roglic. Is yeah. the one who looks the strongest so far? I think. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> And for you, all is going good. So huh? For you, all is going good so far. You happy with the legs, with the shape? Yeah, yeah. I, um, uh, I try to um, grow up in my condition to find my legs, find my rhythm, and uh, just to go day by day, stronger and stronger. Thank you very much. And that was uh, Alexander Vlasov, of course. Uh, you know what? Let's also talk about Jack Haig. You know, Jack Haig, uh, we haven't heard much or at all from him uh, in this podcast. Uh, let's hear from him. And then that's sort of a, a general view about the next couple of days, what he thinks about the mountains and also what he thinks for his team at the Vuelta, Jack Haig. What would be your task close to the finish? This year, I'm coming into Vuelta with a bit of unknown conditions after the Tour de France crash. So we mainly helping position Mikel at the bottom. The team is super strong. We have a lot of really good climbers here. So once we get to the bottom of the climb, I'll just see how much energy I've used in the positioning and try to go all the way to the top and do my best. Do you see Mikel Landa winning La Vuelta? Winning a Vuelta can be difficult. Obviously, I'd love to see him win the Vuelta, and I think he is in incredible form, and we would not be riding the way we're riding if we did not think he could win. But there is a long way to go from now, and I think we have not really had a true test. He was obviously really, really good on stage three, but uh, we'll be interesting to see where everyone else is on uh, the coming up mountain stages. And uh, obviously, I'd love to fight for the, for the win with uh, Mikel. I've been in uh, Vuelta before with Simon Yates when we won, and I'd love to come and win with uh, Mikel. Thank you. Uh, that was uh, Jack Haig. Hey, Gracie, uh, I'm sure you know you know Jack uh, Jack Haig. 
what do you make of the the, the jack egg outside of the the back exchange the orica the uh the, the outfit the new jack egg what, what do you make of him oh yeah he's a really likable guy he's um really gotten strong and grown up in the bike exchange team over the years and it was cool to see him you know move away from that and and find something else to work for him I think you know we talked about that with Grace Brown the other day sometimes it's good to leave the Australian team and and see what else can work for you and what else you can learn so he seems really happy this year he's um certainly got a lot of leadership um and they look like they're going to just see how it goes for him in the Vuelta he really smashed up his collarbone though at the tour so that can, that can take the pressure off you so you know he might even get a stage win himself if not he'll be a really great um right hand man to lander what do you guys think about that yeah i'm yeah i'm totally with you and i'm actually blown away how quickly he's come back racy you talk about and we know yeah. he's crash at the tour like i think he's exceptional actually yeah just the way he's come back so as he said five weeks ago he was in a hospital bed yeah in Paris, entirely in france we know landa lost a bit of time yesterday i think he, uh, did. 20 something he seconds. lost 27 i yeah. think but it's it's is that worrying because 27 seconds on a two kilometers uh climb landa is a climber should you be worried well or it's just a misshap i'm gonna i'm going to throw that question to handball that to you Gracie you're more <laughs> recent uh, in the peloton than I am it's only two kilometers and it was a super power hill Lander is not that we know is he excused from losing that time or should he have actually been there yeah I think those um, distance climbs early on in a tour are really dangerous because it's a different kind of rider or a different shape sometimes that um, makes those time gaps for a pure climbers. It's actually really difficult. And for a lot of these diesel engines, it might take a week for them to ride into a tour. So having to face such a, a maximal effort for a relatively short amount of time, it's easy to lose time, but 27 seconds is a lot in terms of GC. So I don't know, you, you certainly want to limit it to the 10 second more or less, I'd say, but you know, anything can happen and there's some pretty crazy climbing stages coming in the in the Vuelta. So, you know, anything can happen. <laughs> it's well and but the other side of that too is if we go back to at the start when we were talking about the, the finale and I said the Peloton paused or the Peloton the the G C guys cat and moused at the end when Michael decided to, to attack. So Lander lost twenty seven yeah. and they paused twice. So he could have lost more. Yeah. So to me, there's a... Yeah, I question it. I'm, I'm Jury's out on whether he's got the legs or not. And you know how generally I rate Lander. But that's a, that's a completely how, different... I don't know. How do you rate um, it? You don't. Or you do. I don't, actually. Don't you? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm always... I, I, and I'll be honest here. I think he's a, he's a rider that is exciting on paper. Uh, but when you look at... I know he's, he's won a couple of stuff, but he's not just there like when when it needs to be he's not here but you're finding out what he's really like uh gracie <laughs> well he's no ala philippe that's what i'm saying you know but he's definitely no ala philippe i'll give you that i will give you that okay let's have a look at the, the uh, jerseys and where we are standing now we saw uh roglic is in red uh philipsen is still in green tommy is still in the polka dot and and that could be quite an interesting uh battle happening here totally. and egel bernal is in the young rider uh, jersey uh let's have a look at the stage tonight Yes. Pretty, a pretty solid stage. Let's uh, look at this. Uh, six uncategorized climb. Yeah. Oh, categorized climb, sorry. This is 
I think I see this as the first big day, Gracie, for the GC guys. Like serious day. It's three thousand six hundred meters climbing, finishing on a category one. Do you think we're going to see, you know, a big reshuffle with the GC guys? Are they going to actually attack each other? Yeah, good question. I think the deciding factor for today is really the Category 1 climb right at the beginning, and that's a perfect launching pad for an early breakaway that might stay away for the whole day. I'd say the GC guys will just wait, you know, trying to save as much energy as possible throughout a difficult stage, try and get a few gaps on that last Category 1 climb because we've got another sprint stage tomorrow and then we've got a proper GC day on Sunday. So I'd say, you know, they'll be cooling their jets a little bit. They'll be eyeing each other off, but I'd say it's a day for the breakaway. So the break, you reckon the break could survive all day if it gets away on that first climb? Yeah, it really depends on the composition, but it's the welter, you know, the breakaways have stayed away pretty well so far. So I'll back it. Wow. I just want to bring you a comment here on uh, from from Michel that says, uh, "What can we expect now from the the Yombo team? Now they have the jersey. What would be the tactics for others? Should they just go full on gas, full gas on breakaways and try to basically rip that red jersey off the shoulders of of Roglic?" Well, if Gracie's right and the break goes in that first climb, stays away, and I mean, let's face it, it it can't be. It has to be climbers. Yeah. So it has to be non-GC riders that can climb to get through a day like that and survive at the end. Ideally, one of those for Yumbo Visma, I guess, would be close enough that could take the jersey off Yumbo. So look at what I've just spotted. You've got here uh, eight rider, Lilian Kalmejan. Perfect. Lilian Kalmejan is only one minute and four seconds behind Roglic. And he cannot... He cannot win the Vuelta. He cannot He's win the Vuelta. He's not that sort of so three-week rider. Are we talking these kind of riders that could actually get into a breakaway? They could climb really well and actually claim back the red jersey. And that's something that Jumbo Visma will be sort of cool with it. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think, I mean, you, th- that's your line of thinking, yeah, Gracie, that, that Roglic didn't want the red yesterday. He's got it. Would he, would he be prepared to lose it again to that sort of rider? Yeah, I think if you're putting all your guys on the front this early in the tour, you're asking for trouble. So I think he'd be happy to give away the red again if it's in a controlled fashion. Um, I'd even put my money back on Kelly Ellison for today. He really wants that stage win. He's a capable climber. He's hungry and confident. So those kind of guys, I'd say, are going to go up the road today. It's it's almost yeah. – we're talking about the same riders in the stage that Rain Taramay won. Yeah. Ellison was there. Um, Kalmajan, yeah, yeah. of course, um, Joe Dombrowski. Yeah. It's all those guys. Yeah. I guess it just depends how. Well, Terame, I mean, he's super fortunate. Unfortunate, but yeah. fortunate. <laughs> Crashed twice. Looks like he's actually unscathed in both crashes. So maybe he'll bounce back as well. Absolutely. Stage is earlier tonight. I think he's a 20 past nine. It is. I'm going yeah. to have a lie down in the couch. Yeah. <laughs> in between Put the alarm shifts. clock. Yes, exactly. Uh, it's, of course, live on SBS Viceland, on SBS On Demand, and on the Tour Tracker Hub. Yes, 8.50 on the Tracker, peeps. Wherever you are in Australia, if you're in Melbourne, you've got a curfew at 9 p.m. Yeah. So switch it on. Absolutely. Thank you, uh, Gracie, to, uh, for, for joining us today. Thanks again, guys. See you soon. See you, Gracie. Thank you, Maka.
Thank you very much. This was the uh, Zwift Cycling Central podcast. And uh, before we go, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to our podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash central or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Until next time, tomorrow, same place, same time. It's bye for now. Before we go, a quick word from our sponsor, Zwift. La Vuelta is all about climbing. So why not try Geraint Thomas's athlete workout? Fun is flying uphill. A great pillar of any climbing is muscular endurance. And believe me when I say that's what you'll get. Testing yourself on training plans alongside world-class cyclists is what makes Zwift so exciting. I can't wait to show my mates the fitness I've been able to build at home. All you need is a bike, trainer, and the Zwift app. Visit Zwift.com and I'll see you on there soon. Right on.